0: Welcome to Target Cancer, a podcast about how health technology is affecting lives and changing the world for patients and oncologists. Melody.
1: <laughs> Hi.
0: Hi. Sorry, Hi. the sun is coming in. <laughs> it's got okay. you on the, it's going to slowly go one way or another. That happens here. I know.
1: I'm like, oh, okay, it keeps moving. It's the blinds, you know, but okay, no, we're just going to have to okay. deal with it. It's Pacific Northwest weather. You just never know what you're going to get.
0: Uh, yeah, well, it could just be raining, right?
1: <laughs> well, it has been, so this I'll take. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. Well, I'm in California. It just rained for us for the first time in a long time, so we're actually uh, rather happy about it. So yeah, um, I bet. so uh, my name is Mika. I work for a company called Xgears, so welcome to our podcast. Um, we work with um, cancer patients and their doctors, really helping organize and manage data and information. Uh mm-hmm. Uh, for them and then helping to try to identify treatment options from the large universe of all the possible things one could think about doing um, that are out there and really trying to make that personalized and, and consistent um, for people. And so the show is really about uh, people's experiences um, and um, so tell tell me, tell us about yours um, and yeah, thank you for coming on board.
1: Yeah, you bet. I'm honored to be on here. It's nice to meet you um so i'm actually the daughter of a uh a cancer patient so my dad was diagnosed with uh stage four which was then reduced down to stage 2b pancreatic cancer um in 2019 and um he had chemo treatment and he had the whipple procedure which was very invasive Mm -hmm. Um, we were very positive and very optimistic and his oncologist was very optimistic. Surgeon was very optimistic. Everything seemed to go successfully with, um, the removal of the tumor from his pancreas. Um, and then nine months later, a bit of cancer came back in his back. He was in a ton of pain. Um, and his oncologist suggested, uh, additional chemo. And ultimately my dad at 77 said it's too much. And he decided to stay home and um, we being my mom and my siblings took care of him and helped him cross over. And um, so it was, it's definitely an experience. Um, i never, we've never had cancer run through our family before, so it was a very new, very overwhelming and emotional experience and um, but out of it, I
0: learned a lot. Yeah. And, so let's,
1: yeah,
0: let's talk a little bit about, you brought up something and I, I, I know what you've been through in my own journey, but tell me a little bit about the, the initial diagnosis. Cause pancreatic cancer is a really scary diagnosis mm-hmm. uh, for anyone and to hear about your loved one. and Did you know anything about pancreatic cancer, what it was before you, you had heard about your dad and how how did that, and then stage three versus two, can you tell us a little bit about kind of going just the emotions and the knowledge and information?
1: Sure. Um, Hearing pancreatic cancer is essentially like hearing a death sentence, being completely frank. Um, I, and once I heard that diagnosis from my father, I d- then did a little bit of research to learn about what the rate of survival is. It's very low, um, and it's very hard to find. It's very hard to catch. Uh, his sign was uh, jaundice, and so we thought it was maybe his gallbladder, and we really prayed it mm-hmm. was going to be something as simple as that, but it turned out not to be. Um So when we first heard pancreatic cancer and then they went through and they actually did a little more, uh, they did some more scans to see what what was going on with the tumor. And so it was um, essentially resectable. So it wasn't attached to any organs or vital um, arteries, which was really good news. So that's why his oncologist and the surgeon was really optimistic about shrinking the tumor um, during chemo and then doing the Whipple procedure to completely remove it. And that was all successful so that's why it went from a stage four basically to a 2b was that news of that it was perceptible yeah
0: got it and so um that must have been emotionally like a that you're describing a roller coaster right of just it's Absolutely. going to be a death sentence to then hearing that it's it's maybe not as bad as you thought it was how did you think about options like did were treatment options and like the possible things to do um how, how did your your family kind of understand that and with you and your dad uh, working together
1: so my family grew; they're in a very small town and so there's not a lot of options so we live uh, in the pacific northwest seattle area so they're in a very small town um a very limited amount of good physicians if i'm being frank um so it was then uh going to the next step which is how do we get them some treat get him some treatment in Seattle we have some of the best hospitals yeah and physicians in Seattle and we got him at um, one of the best hospitals for pancreatic cancer patients and with one of the best physicians and so it was kind of that process of learning who's who's the best I want my dad to see the best right we all and where we did have-
0: you yeah where yeah. did you find that out so I don't think one of the things i' don't, I realize people don't really re- realize there's only thirteen thousand oncologists in the whole country i know like it's the entire it's wild it's wild and so how, how do you and, and they all have their own specialties as one would imagine these very complicated disease right and yeah. some of them are generalists some of them are specialists right some of them work in communities some work in specialty hospitals H- how did you find the right person you said i found the right hospital i found the right person how, how did that happen
1: Um, the hospital was a recommendation by my dad's personal, um, doctor in town. And so he said, I want you, I've known you, Ed, for a really long time. I've seen all your kids. I want you to see the best. And so he had a suggestion. And then from there, we were able to do some research online, um, which is really great. I mean, they basically list, you can go in and search for, pancreatic cancer specialist and it listed about 13 specialists at this one hospital in Seattle and um, So we got connected with him right away, and he had availability to see my dad and um, We got the ball rolling from there, but then from that moment on it was like a hundred miles a minute like full speed ahead no time to breathe and it felt like I blinked and everything was done and over. And then we were faced with another diagnosis of cancer. It just felt like a whirlwind. Um, but then, you know, like you said, there's a very limited amount of oncologists and then you've got thousands more on top of that or like hundreds of thousands of more on top of that of patients, cancer patients. So these physicians and these oncologists have such a limited amount of bandwidth to be able to have this like very thoughtful amount of time with the patients. And that's where I found a little bit of the struggle to be is not getting, and not necessarily to their fault, but not getting that quality amount of time to ask all the questions, get all the answers, and feel like um, we were, you know, our case was unique, and, and it wasn't just like another life going through cancer treatment. So again, not to the fault of the physicians, they, I think, are overburdened with the amount of cancer patients.
0: Yeah. How much time would you get in a normal, like, just so people understand kind of how long you go and see an oncologist for and, like, how often are you going? And you say it was like a whirlwind. Can you give mm-hmm. us, you know, a little bit of the idea that cadence and.
1: Sure. Um, I would say, so my parents would drive to my office, just north of Seattle, and then I would drive them into Seattle, and then we would get probably an hour of time at the doctor's office, um, seeing the dietitian. you're seeing the nutritionist, Um, Mm -hmm. he's getting his blood work done, Um, you know, he's getting chemo, and then he's seeing the doctor, and they're checking his vitals, so between all of that, I mean, it's like this full, you know, caboodle of uh, things that need to get done while he's there, probably only an hour. And then the actual time with his oncologist is very brief and it's very um, straight to the point. So which I was grateful for his honesty and him being very straightforward with everything. um, But we got very limited time with him. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some oncologists. There's something much 20, 30 patients in a single day, right. That are going um, that they're in different stages. Um, Any advice to people on being prepared, both kind of, um, Mm -hmm. intellectually prepared, which I think of as like the, like all, you know, the questions you have in order, those types of things. And then, but then also emotionally prepared Mm -hmm. for that process, um, having been through it.
1: The emotional part of it (sighs) is like, I could write a book. I did write a blog post about the whole thing because I wanted to share how, uh, emotionally taxing and overwhelming that experience was. Um, so the the preparation for this, I think, was just understanding all the different resources that we had available to us, both for my parents locally in their town, who they could reach out to um, from a medical standpoint, who they could connect with. Um, there's... The hospital that we, um, that my dad was being treated at had a a plethora of groups that you could join and be a part of. Um, Did you you do that?
0: Did you join those groups? Did you guys?
1: So I tried to get my mom to join them, but she's very, um, (laughs) she's very, no, it's okay. I have my, you know, I have my friends at home and I'll just connect with them. And a lot of them have been through a cancer journey, either personally or through their like spouse or their child. So she had a really good support system. I think support system is number one is key. Like you've got to have somebody that you can lean on because it is the hardest road to ride alone for sure.
0: And you need help. It's not just that your father was the patient, but you as the the caregiver as part of the care team, you need help. Oh yeah. I
1: lost a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It was very exhausting. And so I was very thankful for my support system that I had as well. And and that was a big uh, tip from his hospice care was, you know, surround yourself with people that you can lean on right now because it can be really hard.
0: Yeah. I, a hundred percent, having been a caregiver and gone through that, like that needing, I, I think, and the show has been about talking with patients and their experience, but now it's it's really wonderful talking with you, Melody as someone who's supported someone going through that because this impacts the family and the family in your community. I think of like your friends around you almost in many ways as much, right. In a different way. Um, and we need that support, um, for all of us. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it was very humbling, you know, to see people come out of the woodwork essentially, you know, and surround you and, and just make sure that you're okay. It was amazing and an incredible experience. It was you know, somewhat COVID was a blessing in disguise for my family because I was uh, working from home and I got to work from my parents' house and help my dad um, peacefully and comfortably get to the end of his life. That was, that was, that was the only good thing about the, the pandemic <laughs> for me, but yeah, it was good.
0: So as you, um, As you think about that experience, is there someone who did something for you and your dad and your family that like made the biggest difference? Like a single person did they or a single event or is it kind of a
1: Hmm. a
0: blend of things, just thinking back on it?
1: Um besides hospice, because they're angels in human form here on Earth. They are. My goodness. I had no idea. I had never had an experience with hospice before. Um, you know, my grandparents were already like in, in care, uh, facilities. So I never saw hospice in action and, uh, it, they were probably the biggest, um, component of us getting through this peacefully. And, um, my dad comfortably, you know, leaving us and, yeah, they're the biggest component of how we got through that. Other than that, I would say um, I was blessed to have a really great support system with my work and my profession. I've been with the same company for 20 years, and um, they were super supportive, and I, I never had to ask for anything, so... Those are the what two a wonderful biggest things I would say, you know, because you never know you're gonna have to like go fight a battle. If your work is gonna support you in that time, they could either choose to let you go and say, "Hey, we need somebody more steady Eddie," or they're gonna say, "Hey, we got you." Uh, personal life is way more important than anything yeah. here at work.
0: Yeah. So you said you, you, you should write a book. And then you said, oh, I, I wrote a blog post. What, what's the take home? Because I always ask people, what's, if there's one message that you really wanted to get out there, what, what would that message be? But it sounds like you started to put that, maybe I got to find the blog post, but can you, can you tell us about that?
1: <laughs> Happy to share it with you too. Um, oh my gosh, I'm always full of words. So it's really hard for me to find a specific <laughs> phrase maybe. Um, family over everything i you know loved ones over everything anything
0: um it's all that matters
1: yeah yeah, yeah. that's good
0: well melody thank you thank you so much for sharing the story i'm so sorry to uh hear about your father and i can tell how strong you and your family have been through this and it sounds like things have come to the best ending um <laughs> So thank you for yes. sharing with us.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate being able to share this and uh, in hopes of inspiring somebody else to really do their research, fight for their loved one or for themselves. You know, the best thing we can do is advocate for our own health. And I think we hear that a lot, but it's true. You know, no one's going to fight for you like you. And um, uh, just, yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. And just because research or you know, these, just because research and things weren't um, as predominant back 25, 50, 100 years ago doesn't mean that there isn't something now. And so that's what I find really exciting about X-Cures is is this opportunity to say, you know, what can we do better? And just because it wasn't here 100 years ago, or it wasn't a physician um, giving us that advice doesn't mean that it can't do really revolutionary things.
0: That's right. We got to learn from everything. I think that's my big takeaway is every every experience is a learning experience and we can use that and we can we can change things that way so 100 thank you again melody family first i couldn't agree with you more so thank you
1: okay take
0: care you too bye-bye okay bye bye